Hi, and welcome to our latest podcast. Uh, my name is Whitney Arana. I'm associate editor at Project Syndicate, and I'm here with Jonathan Stein, our managing editor. And we're here to discuss the upcoming French election, which is one of the most consequential French elections um, in memory. And it uh, will shape the future, not just of France, but also of the European Union. Um, so we have a piece, an upcoming piece by Mark Leonard uh, discussing this, and he's asking kind of a very simple question, which is uh, if we have a far-right candidate, Marine Le Pen, um, who wants to destroy the, I mean, she wants to France to leave the EU, she wants to leave the Eurozone, she wants to leave the Schengen area, um, she's calling for a referendum if she wins the presidency, and polls say that she's very likely to get to the second round. And so the question Leonard asks is, why is it that the EU is not actively preparing for this possibility, for the possibility of a President Le Pen? Um, we know that in, in many ways it would be unlikely for Le Pen to win because historically in France, with this two-round election system, historically if you get an extreme candidate like Le Pen in the second round, French voters come together to make sure that that uh, candidate doesn't win. However, as we've learned in 2016 with the Brexit vote and with Donald Trump's election as US president, the unexpected can happen, and it does happen, and it is happening shockingly frequently. Um, so that's so the big question is, what is the EU doing? Why aren't they considering this as a real possibility? Yeah, and, and frankly, and I think as Leonard would admit, there, there aren't very many good options in a scenario where Le Pen wins uh, because of the... The uh, French political system is a quasi-presidential system where the president does wield executive uh, uh, power. They're obviously, who, whoever wins is probably going to uh, uh, going to end up in what the French call uh, cohabitation, cohabitation, with uh, an opposition-led national assembly, uh, which will limit the, the the president's powers. And why that's a probability is because of what you know, many observers are pointing out about this election, that uh, it's not simply Le Pen, an outsider, who could, who could get in, but uh, other candidates as well. Two of the other four candidates uh, are, are running uh, without party support. They've formed their own political movements. That's Jean-Luc Mélenchon and uh, Emmanuel Macron, who are, they've, they've both, they're sort of refugees of, of, uh, of the Socialist Party, which is in a state of collapse because of uh, the uh, overwhelming unpopularity of uh, Francois Hollande, the, the current president, who mm -hmm. I think, Whitney, you, you pointed out when we were discussing that he's been as low as 4% in yeah. opinion polls, which is uh, really Incredible. Uh, uh, yeah, unheard of, I think, in the annals of, um, of Western, uh, Western democratic systems. Um, so, so the question is, uh, what, what could the, the EU possibly do? And, and Leonard says quite openly that, that maybe one of the things to do is to help France get out of the EU, if that's what they want, rather than, this would be the most radical alternative, obviously, if you know, working with opposition forces in the National Assembly doesn't work. Uh, this may be the, the, you know, the best route. Le Pen has said that she wants to follow 
the, the British model, which is she wins the presidency, she renegotiates the terms of French membership in the EU, and, uh, and, then, and then puts that, uh, that, that negotiation to a referendum. Yeah, and she hasn't made it clear, depending on what terms they agree to, she right. might even advocate actively for exiting. And this is the difference, right? Leonard points out that, that the difference between Brexit and Frexit is that uh, whereas, whereas Theresa May, the, the UK Prime Minister, and all of the Brexiteers are very much in favor of an open global Britain, Le Pen is very much a, a protectionist. Le Pen is quite open about her uh, economic policy uh, biases, which look much more like uh, somebody like Steve Bannon, who clearly is an economic nationalist uh, and, uh, and very much in favor of um, measures like high, uh, high import tariffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even if Le Pen doesn't win, as you you know sort of mentioned previously, is that um, we had a piece by Zaki Lighty where he also points out that uh, we've got Macron is one of the more likely candidates who's a centrist but has his own independent movement. Uh, Jean Luc Mélenchon has recently uh, advanced in the polls and is you know viewed as having won a recent debate, and so he's getting he's gaining a lot more momentum. And in all of these cases, these are non-traditional parties. They're, they're, in French history, you always get somebody from these main two parties, um, and neither of them is really at the top in terms of the likelihood of winning. And so, in a way, regardless of who wins, this is a revolution for France. And in some ways, it's a culmination of some of what's been happening in other advanced countries, including the U.S., where it's sort of the breakdown within the traditional parties and conflicts within those parties. Um, in the U.K., you've had similar experiences with internal tensions in the main parties. And now the French version of this is more extreme. You've got this classic two-party system breaking down into a four- or five-party system, and that is absolutely going to have to change, you know, something about the way politics are working in France. Things can't just yeah, move forward. I think you're right to actually draw this comparison with what's happened, you know, in other places. Obviously, uh, the Republican Party in the U.S. did not want Trump. Uh, the establishment didn't want him. He took over that party. Um, the, uh, Cameron, as well, didn't actually want Brexit, but he, you know, was coming under pressure inside the party. Uh, and uh, Theresa May, who was not a Brexiteer either, has also moved into that camp, being sort of led by uh, led by the public. And uh, and in France, yes, this is it's a much more um, uh, sort of extreme version of this because the Socialist Party has thrown off two candidates who've sort of set up their own political movements. And what's 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 very interesting in France now is this sudden rise, you know, in the last week of Mélenchon, who was, you know, the, the far-left candidate, who was seen as completely non-viable, a fringe candidate. Needless to say, uh, Mélenchon and his supporters are claiming the, man, the mantle of Bernie Sanders in the U.S., who had exactly the same, uh, you know, the, 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 the same experience. Unlike uh, Bernie Sanders, however, uh, Mélenchon doesn't have a party establishment that's working against him. 
right? He doesn't have the Democratic Party that was fully behind Clinton uh, and, 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 and working against him. The question is, and, and, and what's interesting about Mélenchon is, uh, as well is the demographic is very similar to Sanders. You have overwhelmingly uh, uh, young voters are moving into his camp. He had very, very well-attended rallies this past weekend. Uh, they're claiming 70,000 uh, and, and, and clearly saying we are the... Um, uh, uh, the French Bernie Sanders. And it could prove damaging also for Macron, who's established himself as this centrist candidate. He's sort of, the idea is that he doesn't really, he's not offensive to anyone, yeah. but he's not part, nobody's passionate about him so much either. Yeah. Um, and so then if you've got people who, if given a choice between, you know, Macron and Le Pen, would go with Macron, now if they have a more left wing candidate, that can kind of, um, siphon off some of the support from Macron, who, out of these top candidates, is the only one who supports, genuinely supports continued EU membership. Yeah. But Laidi makes this point as well, that what had been seen as a weakness for Macron, the lack of a party uh, structure behind him, a party organization behind him, suddenly became a strength uh, because of this uh, uh, alienation and uh, disengagement on the part of voters from the traditional uh, political parties in France. And obviously we see that also with Mélenchon, who's benefiting from precisely the same thing. The question, of course, is, uh, and obviously France is different from the U.S. because you have traditionally much higher turnout, but still the question is, will younger voters turn out uh, in high numbers for Mélenchon? Will they just go to, to rallies or will they actually show up uh, and vote? Now here, Mélenchon has probably got an advantage over Sanders because young people in France uh, are more likely to vote uh, than, than, than in the U.S. But we'll, we, uh, that, remain, that remains to be seen. But the important point is, uh, and all of this has happened so quickly that Leonard and Leidy and, the, and, 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 and other people that we've had writing haven't really picked up on this, this, uh, this, this um, sudden surge in support for Mélenchon. But if, if it is, who's now I think something like two points out of the second round, according to, uh, to opinion polls. But if it is a Le Pen-Mélenchon uh, second round, then that is going to be very, very destabilizing for Europe as well, because Mélenchon is also talking about leaving uh, leaving mm -hmm. the EU. Now he doesn't he doesn't oppose the EU on nationalist grounds. He opposes it on social welfare grounds that the EU is being too restrictive on uh, on on fiscal policy. It's not allowing France to run the deficits that he would like to see in order to finance a more generous social welfare state. Uh, so yeah, and I believe actually um, it's Leidy who points out that there are um, parallels between Mélenchon and Le Pen's economic yeah. plans. They both have this kind of populist element to their plans. The big difference lies in Mélenchon's more you know, left-wing, protecting the workers kind of approach versus Le Pen's national Yeah, and you'd all, you also don't have this kind of this quasi-fascist, you know, fascist, white supremacist thing. You, you look at a Le Pen rally and it's all white French people. Right. Mm -hmm. You look at a Mélenchon rally, and it's the it's the empire basically. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know, and it's very multiracial, multicultural. Yeah. So they're um, largely divided. Much, I think, by you that. Know, much <laughs> younger. So you've got that 
you know, cosmopolitan nationalist uh, uh, divide as well, which is which is very important. Now, the interesting thing about you know about Melanchthon, and obviously, you know, this is me speaking personally. I can't speak for you, Whitney, but you know, in a Melanchthon Le Pen uh, second round runoff, the safer bet uh, is, is is Melanchthon, because yeah. in part because of this, you don't get this fascist nastiness. But also because, you know, if you look at, if you, you know, historically what happened the last time you got a very um, far left candidate winning the French presidency, his name was Francois Mitterrand in 1980, who came to power promising nationalization, steep progressive taxation, huge social welfare expansion, and so forth. And capital went on strike. Capital was fleeing the country, uh, uh, unemployment rose, it was unsustainable. And... Within a year, a year and a half, Mitterrand had moderated his policy uh, dramatically. Um, would the same thing happen under Mélenchon? Remains to be seen. But I think there's a much better chance of that, and you get something looking much more like traditional European social democracy rather than, uh, you know, uh, Hugo Chavez, right? Now, what I think is that if, if it were a second round runoff, capital would immediately go to Le Pen, just like they always do. You know, again, when 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 the threat is expropriation, they'll all capital will always side with the fascists. That happened in the in the 1930s. It'll happen today. Whether whether uh, whether Le Pen and Mélenchon are actually uh, the finalists is is going to be um, really the big question. Either way, whether it's Mélenchon or Le Pen, uh, the EU has a has a, has a real problem. And uh, and and I think here Leonard's uh, point applies equally to Melanchon as it does to Le Pen. The EU needs to be prepared. Uh, needs to be prepared. Yeah. In in Le Pen's case, it's not only, you know, that that you know she's calling a referendum and all and she wants out of the EU. But if the EU tries to hold on, and Leonard, you know, makes this point very uh, I think very compellingly, then you're faced with a situation where you've got a president who may be trying to undermine the EU from within mm -hmm. by making alliances with Kaczynski, with Orban in Hungary, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and clear anti-EU uh, populists. And this is going to then be happening in the heart of Europe. So, uh, well, that, that's all I have. Any, any final thoughts, Whitney? Um, I think we've got, well, we may or may not have good news. Uh, the polls suggest uh, that in either case, whether it's Le Pen and Macron or Le Pen and Mélenchon, that Le Pen would lose. Um, we all know that polls, you know, you can't fully count on the polls, but at least there's maybe a source for, for hope in that department. Um, okay, so that wraps it up, I think. I'm Jonathan Stein, Managing Editor. And I'm Whitney Arana, Associate Editor. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And please rate and review our podcasts. See you next time.